hey, is this not the WSL's perfect time to drop their unofficial tagline in Brazil? Cry is free. Imagine if they just posted cry is free on their Instagram. Didn't say anything else about it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella. I'm here subbing in for Danny Johnson, who I believe is out searching for Easter eggs. But in the meantime, we have some huge news from the WSL that Buck and I are going to break into. And we're also going to talk a little bit about surfboards and why they cost so much. Uh, We also have to discuss a, a serial surf pest that has really been taking over lineups in Sydney and causing a bit of a stir. And last but not least, Surfing and skating, do they mix? Uh, We saw something done this week that kind of terrified us, but also excited us a lot. So we're going to get into all that. But first and foremost, I think we all know what the big news of the week is. The WSL is having some major problems with their surfers. And they basically, the surfers want the mid-year cut gone. So they submitted a petition. The WSL responded. Everything's happening. Um, in in a future episode of The Cusp, Stace and I are going to break down the actual event at Bells and what went down. But for now, Buck and I are going straight into the petition and everything surrounding that. So let's hop in. WSL CEO Eric Logan responds to the mid-year cut petition. If you're new here, and by here I mean the internet for the past 24 or so hours... You're probably pretty confused about what this mid-year cut petition is. Uh, This is a document that was put together. It was signed by 29 CT surfers that pretty much said, Hey, WSL, can we not do the the cut thing that we were going to do? But they wrote it formally. They wrote it nicely. And then Eric Logan came back with his nicely written letter saying no. Um, a lot to be unpacked here, but Mikey, your thoughts just off the jump. Oh my God. So I think, uh, Taylor Paul, our stab premium director said it best. It's basically like a giant holiday when any sort of WSL drama happens. So this is like, I get more excited about this than I do about Christmas Easter. I know it's coming up. I'm not a big Easter guy, but this for, this is my Easter. This is my Christmas, my new year's, my Hanukkah and everything in between. I fucking love this shit so much. I know, and it's so funny what it does to your work day. Like, normally, you know you have, like, a certain amount of tasks or an idea of what you have to do in a given day of work, and then something like this comes, and it just consumes you. Like, hours, you just go into that state where, like, three hours will pass by, and you're just trying to get everything right and get it out there, and you're like, holy shit, how is it, you know, 4 p.m. already, whatever it is. Um, Huge day. So it all started with... A comment that Jordy Smith made on the broadcast. Well, wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. It actually all started on last week's Stab Cusp episode. Ooh, okay. All right. Yeah, You. good point. Good call out. I don't know if you listened to it, but my unpopular opinion is that there was going to be a coup, some sort of situation where surfers uprise against the WSL over the mid-year cut, and it's come to fruition. And my unpopular opinion for Bells is that I think veteran surfers below the cut line are going to unionize and they're going to get a lot of rookies on board as well because they're young and looking up to these people and don't know any better. And there's going to be a big blowout between the surfers and the WSL. And I think some people are going to refuse to surf Margs because surfing Margs would mean that basically you are conceding 
that if you lose margs, then you lost in the like technical sense versus if you don't surf margs, then the WSL just kind of fucked you over. So I think there's going to be a, a big splash at the end of this or at, at the mid-year cut, basically. And I think it's going to start at Bell's. And I, this wasn't one of those things where like, I kind of had like a rumor, like somebody told me it was going to happen. And like, I was just kind of throwing it out there as my own idea. Like this truly, like I had no clue. It was basically a joke. And the fact that it's happening is incredible. Um, so that is why uh, I'm clearly on some sort of streak right now. And I'm going to make that continue by, here's a shameless plug, but on betonline.ag right now, there's a bet for a coin flip from outer space. That's one of the bets that they have on their site. We found, and yeah, we, yeah, it's big, big. So I'm going to put like 30, maybe $40 million on heads and just going to ride that to the moon and never have to work again because I'm on a streak right now. You're on a streak. I mean, the the fact that you got this in advance, I didn't know that. That's that's full shaman. Like you went full shaman on this one, and especially for you, you're talking about being like a holiday. Just seeing it come to fruition must have been. Oh. How did that feel? It's manifestation at its finest. <laughs> this wow. is like, yeah, I couldn't have asked for anything better. So um, yeah, you're welcome. I I did this. So Jordy Smith loses his round of 32 heat, and in his post interview. He says, there's a lot of chatting between the surfers groups about what's going on at the moment with the cut and everything, so I'll just wait to see what's come, what comes of that. That's a weird thing to say, right? That kind of got us going, hmm, hmm, you know, he cocked the head a little bit. So we dig around, we talk to some people on the ground, and we get our hands on, I guess before we got the petition, we got word that people are thinking about boycotting the WA event, and... Kind of funny because it's almost one of those situations like you can't fire me, I quit. It's like, like what are you gonna do? Boycott G Land next because you didn't make the cut anyway. Like, what, <laughs> what's what's this about? Um, but we get this rumor, we hear that, and then I think things were happening so fast that obviously there was talk of the boycott, but eventually it came to be this petition that, like I said, signed by twenty nine surfers across the men's and female, male-female tour. And yeah, they just, they they said, no, no mid-year cut, please. And it was more than the mid-year cut, though. It was also just the new system as a whole, which we'll get into this in a little bit, but I love it. I think the new system's great. But it was really interesting. It's so interesting when you see these things kind of come to a point of like a formal petition, you know? Yeah, well, I I have some more intel. And first and foremost, we should just make clear to everyone that 29 surfers is technically the majority of the tour. There are 51 full, full-time surfers, um, 17 women, and 34 men. So 29 is a very impressive number when you think about it in, in that way. And then also, I know that uh, the surfers basically when it came to like writing this petition or whatever, you know, it went between them and the world pro surfers, the surfers union, and they, they were trying to figure out what they wanted to say exactly. And they had an internal vote of like what they wanted to push for. So they had three options. Option A was no cut this year being 2022, um, meaning it's non-negotiable and you're willing to walk out of the Margaret River event and or the rest of the tour despite major legal risks. Option B was we accept the cut in 2022, but no cut next year. So you are legally careful and achieve your long-term goals. And option C was you don't mind the cut. And from what I understand, most of the surfers chose A. 
they were willing to risk the um yeah the basically the litigation whatever could come from it to not have the cut this year which is like they're going full bore and when you think about it it's like on one hand yeah they you know you can have the opinion that they're just kind of crying over spilled milk but on the other hand if you have the majority of the surfers on the championship tour on board with this they have a lot of power because what does professional surfing do without these talented people well first i would have loved if if they just i mean let's be honest professional surfers obviously there's outliers but as a whole a lot of people didn't really come up formally educated they're probably homeschooled hyper focused on surfing from an early age if they just put an option d on there that said all the above (laughs) i bet it would have been the most highly selected answer which would have been incredible (laughs) but anyway yeah it's interesting because i just want to rip through some bullet points now if you go to the stories, we have two stories on Sad Premium. One is about the petition coming to life, and the other is about Elo's response. But I'll focus on the petition one for now. And if you go to the second story, the one with Elo's response, you could actually read the full petition. We posted it on there. It's a Ooh. PDF. Um, but the main points in there is that, one, falling off the CT after five events is a financial concern for many surfers. That's kind of what they start with. Second one, surfing the tour is mentally and physically taxing and the new structure makes it even more so. Third one, they believe there are other options available to lessen the amount of time required to run an event and would prefer to pursue those options rather than the mid-year cut. Kind of a case? Is it a case? I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, the financially the financial concern, I'm of the opinion that we're lucky that there's this much surfing even this much money in surfing even to begin with um it's it's not a bad gig i mean you show up and even if you get booted right away 33rd place you're still getting 10k it's not bad and i get that you'd rather do that for a whole year than five events but the fact that you get to do it for five events is pretty good and then yes. i think the second point is probably the most interesting right the fact that like there's just a lot going on and i think i think the where where i can kind of agree with the surfers the most is that like you could tell on the broadcast this year they have been making the mid-year cut such a thing and it's like when your career or at least your competitive career is on the line and it's something on television pretty much and you kind of showed up to be an athlete and it starts to feel a little bit more almost like a reality tv show i get the concern there that's kind of how i read the the part about it being like mentally taxing and then physically they have to surf cs events this year too i think i think they're obligated to do either one or two every ct surfer so it's a really complex big long year of competition when you look at it um and then the last one i don't really think that the wsl obviously trimming time is a huge is a good part of the mid-year cut but it's not everything right it's it's also that point about making things interesting making the storylines to follow and making the year every contest matter more which let's be honest bells before this structure it'd be fun to watch but you wouldn't be there wouldn't be any make or break heats right yeah and i think that um you know elo and his message back to the surfers which is also um you can find in that story 
it it answers all these questions and then provides even more context that the surfers either didn't quite know about or didn't care to address or whatever but yes what the surfers brought up there is some validity to some of it i will say there you know it's not all just them whinging and whining but elo's response probably the best piece of surf literature that i've ever read um i i don't even know where to start i think you really have to read the whole thing to get the full context and feeling from it and i know that a lot of surfers probably read it and felt the exact opposite way but this was just an incredibly clear concise argument um stated directly not being apologetic also not being rude and to me this was just like if ever there was an argument for like why elo is where he is it's this not to say that he knows anything about surfing but that he knows how to run a business and he knows how to communicate and this was like just so powerful in my eyes it's without a doubt the most i've ever respected him in that role like I think, like you said, it, his ability to communicate and just explain, like, he does a great job of showing. Basically, it breaks down, hey, no, we're not changing it. The mid-year cut's here to stay. It's happening. And then he just goes into detail about all the wheels that are in motion that have already been put in motion that are making it happen. And he talks about how this plan has been approved. Like you said, there's the union, the World Pro Surfers, how they've been across it. They've approved it. Why are we having this meltdown now? You guys have seen it for a while now and said yes. And yeah, he just lays it out in a really good way. And if you want to read both, go. It's under the the title that I kicked this off with, which is WSLCO Eric Logan Responds to the Mid-Year Cut Petition. You could read the petition. You could read Elo's response. And yeah, pick a side, I guess. But I, to me, it's not a really difficult decision. Well, it's interesting you say that because we've obviously been talking a lot about this internally at STAB, how how we see it and whatnot, but we ourselves, like, you know, are definitely a microcosm. Like, we're a group of people whose entire lives are focused around surfing while also not having any direct affiliation with the WSL or the surfers, per se. You know, we're kind of like friends with both, work with both in a certain capacity, but don't really have a dog in the fight, so to speak. And from what I understood from like our internal meetings, it sounds like most people are on the side of the WSL. There might be a few people in our ranks who are kind of on the surfer side, and maybe those are the people who are even more friendly with the surfers. But I decided to put up an Instagram story just to see how our audience feels about this entire thing. And, you know, we have a million followers on Instagram, not to say that all of them have taken uh, part in this poll, but at the current moment, and granted, this uh, Instagram audience is also different from the Stab Premium audience. The Instagram audience hasn't necessarily been able to read the articles and have the full context of what's going on because they just don't have access to it. Um, so they're not necessarily the most informed public, but they are the public. This is like the sentiment of the average surf viewer, you could say. So the poll says, what are your thoughts on the mid-year cut? Option one is, it's a good thing for surfing. Option two is, it's a bad thing for surfing. And option three is, I'm undecided. And option D is all of the above. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> uh, so on that, 21% say the mid-year cut is a good thing for surfing. 51% say it's a bad thing for surfing. And 28% say it's undecided. So wow. that means that, yeah, basically, you even if you added up the good for surfing and undecided, you still wouldn't 
match the uh, bad thing for surfing. So the general consensus is very clearly that the mid-year cut is not good, um, which is interesting because I wonder if that, like, like, what is the perspective of the average person saying that? Is it that it's unfair to the surfers? Like, do they feel, you know, sympathy for the surfers? Is it that it's bad for the sport in terms of like, it, it's, you know, I don't know, I guess you think back to Bobby's quotes about tennis tours and whatnot, and people feeling like, oh, we're surfing, we're not like that, blah, blah, blah. Um, or is it something totally, do they find it less entertaining if there's less people in an event? Do they want to watch an event that's 27 days long? You know, I'm, I'm curious and I don't really know. I guess maybe we can do another poll down the line to see why people voted the way they did. But yeah, as it stands, the, the public is with the surfers and not with Eric Logan. Yeah, that's interesting. And I feel like you see that a lot on Instagram. I feel like almost on social media, there's a lot of just like gut reactions. So like anything the WSL does equals bad. It's mm. just like, oh, I hate this. Uh I, it doesn't matter what it is. Just it's just somehow the WSL is a shame. It's like okay, I, what? <laughs> they just announced a G Land event. What are you mad about? Like, <laughs> hey, is this not the WSL's uh, perfect time to drop their unofficial tagline in Brazil, which is "Cry is free"? Imagine if they just posted "Cry is free" on their Instagram. Didn't that say would anything be else about so it. So <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, what would happen? Well, I, they'd have to almost win people over, right? Like people would have to get so mad that they'd have to just jump over the fence and go live on the WSL side of it. And to, but to me, like I do, I feel for the surfers to an extent, like if you're a kid and you have dreams of being a pro surfer and you see how the system works and you train yourself up accordingly, and you invest so much energy, so much your whole life essentially into getting to that point. When things start to change, I get why you'd be upset. But from a fan's perspective, I think what we've got now is just so much fucking better. Like it's so not even better. close. Like we have go back, okay, I guess the last world title before the pandemic was just that dream scenario of the two top competitors meeting at pipe, but like that never happened. Yep. Other than that, you had people like John John winning world titles in Portugal, surfing against a random person in a random round. And you had this QS system that was like impossible to follow. It was like 400 events long of like eight different rankings all over the world that somehow you can get into some more easily. It was like stupid. And now all of a sudden you have this thing where there's like bells is more important now. Even a point that got brought up is apparently Margaret River got higher sponsorship dollars this year because it was going to be such a dramatic thing. It was going to pull a bunch more people in. I mean, it's not fucking rocket science. It's basic human stuff. Like, obviously, seeing somebody on the chopping block gets a lot of attention. I like that as a fan. I enjoy it. You know, I like seeing Bells Matter more and Margaret River Matter more, and I like watching a day-long, at the end of the year, world title get decided. Like, I'm happier. Is it is it the most representative thing of surfing? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, but it's fun as hell to watch. I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, it's also interesting, like, you you look at who is at this event this week, and, you know, granted, this was, like, totally coincidental, but it's it's just kind of funny how it all came together. But you had um, tennis star Ash Barty there, 
And then mm. you also had F1 stars, uh, Yuki Tsunoda and I think Mikkel something or other. Mi- Mi- <laughs> somebody from Germany. Mik- it was Michelob, Michelob Ultra. Michelob Ultra, yeah, <laughs> He was that's there. <laughs> He's doing really good this year. He won the last Grand Prix. <laughs> um, but these are also, these are two individual um, sports, right? Tennis and F1, where same as surfing now, if you're not doing well, you know, you basically get pulled like the whole obviously the whole Bobby tennis tour thing was like this big joke in surfing. But it's like surfers respect tennis. Surfers really seem to respect F1 In F1. If you're not doing well, your team just says, hey, you're not doing well enough. We're taking you out. We're bringing in somebody else, either from F2 or from a different team. Like they get pulled and cut all the time if they're not performing. And here surfers are thinking F1 is the sickest thing ever. It's like, well, yeah, because they are constantly recycling talent and getting the best people to the top. And that is exactly what we're trying to do here. And they just don't want to have it. They want to just hold on to, you know, their their 23rds and 24ths and 25ths and all the way down and, and ride out the year into the sunset. And it's just that's just not how sport works. I know. I know. And honestly, we were we were hyping up Elo's reply, but I can just shoot one little hole in it. And that's, he has a line in there where he says, he's talking about how everything's coming together and this new system is going well and sponsors seem excited, fans seem excited. They're seeing already an increase in the numbers on both levels. And he has this line that says, our sport is growing. And I was just like, whoa, 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 Eric. We're not there yet. We're not there yet, Eric. Okay. <laughs> The sport is growing with a better ass. Eric, Eric, come on. <laughs> Our Eric, please. You know what I mean? Did that get you? Uh, it didn't, but now that you bring it up, it is it is pretty funny because, yeah, he is ultimately like an outsider. He can call himself a surfer all he wants, but you can tell by taking one look at him that he ain't no surfer. Um, and uh, there are some problems with that, I will say. But, again, like I said, I've never had more, like, yeah, I guess like an admiration for him in a sense of like how he's handling this situation. Um, and again, I'd really recommend that everybody goes and reads that full letter to get a full sense of like what we're trying to convey here. And I don't think we're doing the best job of it. But if you go and read that, you'll understand, I hope. Yeah, go give it a read. It's a fascinating. I mean, it's honestly a look in, inside the WSL like I've never seen before. I mean, we've we've had a few things come across our desks that are it's such a power move when you send an email, but the, the, your actual words are in a PDF. Like I might just start doing that because I think that's how it came out where you just like, you don't write the, the words in the copy of the email. You just say, read this PDF. I like that. I'm going to do it more. Um, but it's rare to get like a, a document like that, that in such a crazy dramatic time that shows how the CEO of the league is thinking. Like it's, it's, it's a, crazy thing to go check out and read and just get some insight into how that works and how people at that level think and communicate yeah so basically where we're at now is today is thursday in the u.s friday in australia um i hope we can get this out today or at the very latest tomorrow but basically they're scheduled to have a meeting with the surfers later this afternoon in australia We don't know exactly what's going to happen there. We're going to do our best to get some insider details and knowledge. Uh, Best case, obviously, would be getting a recording somehow. So I don't know if that's going to be possible, but we'll do our best. After that, obviously, the event still has to finish. And then we'll be heading into Margaret shortly after. So there is a bit of a question mark. Like, 
will certain surfers decide to pull out of that event and not even surf it? And like you said, I think it would be a bit of a, you can't fire me, I'm quitting sort of situation. But in the same vein, like you have surfers like Felipe Toledo and Italo Ferreira who signed the document and they're obviously not at risk of falling off whatsoever. So God, yeah, there's a lot to happen. And in the meantime, I'm also going to be writing an opinion piece on the mid-year cut in general, which, you know, we've covered a lot of the topics. I want to get a little bit deeper into it in that as well. But yeah, I want to I want to make the case for uh, why it matters and why it's good and why surfing will benefit from it as much as a lot of surfers probably won't want to hear that. You are good at that, my friend. Uh, Well, I'm good at making surfers mad at me. So yeah, in that case, I guess I am good at that. (laughs) You and Eric Logan, part of your tribe, you know, just you guys and your sport, brothers. Speaking of our sport, is it time we bring up something that uh, happened over in Australia, not actually this past week, but the one before, but that it actually feels more relevant than ever? It's more relevant than ever. Let's get into it. Serial surf pest takes DIY jet board to crowded Shark Island, catches two waves in a set, kills disgruntled lineup with shaka kindness. There is a lot going on in that title, and there's a lot going on in the accompanying clip. As you said, it's old, but the reason I wanted to bring it up, well, two reasons, I guess. The first is that, I'm gonna be honest with people here, this thing did insane traffic for us. Like, to put it in perspective, Kelly Slater, a 50-year-old who just won pipe and then presented at the Oscars where Will Smith slapped a guy on live TV, a lot going on there too. He gets COVID at the Oscars and is potentially going to miss an event. That story, obviously, when we, when we report on that, that did really well for us. This thing tripled the traffic of that. So apparently our audience cares more about the serial surf pest than all this shit that happened with Kelly, which to me was just fascinating. Like, I guess you and I have both worked in this world for a while and we see that it's like, obviously the weird things that sometimes pop off. Like, Usually anything Kelly-related pops off, and that one, obviously, a lot of people read. But it's these weird, obscure things. Like, I remember years and years ago, when I was at Surfing Magazine, there was a video of of, um, of Russian women surfing in high heels in Bali that was, like, probably our most visited piece of the year somehow. I don't know. It's just a weird way that the internet works. <laughs> but uh, this one went nuts. And so... I just needed to call that out, especially now that we have some context of comparing it to other stories. And I also wanted to call it out because you're a jetboard guy. I'm a big jetboard guy. It's true. Can you provide some insight into <laughs> what, what, like, because you, you, <laughs> when Stab Premium launched, you did a jetboard demo and it looked like you were in some flat water, but you probably got to know those boards well enough to know, like, could you see what that guy was doing, which was rifling through a, a crowded lineup and catching two waves in a set, just looping everybody? Could you like understand how it worked? I, I'd never seen anything like this clip in my life, and so I wanted to talk to you as a jet boarder to uh, try to understand. Big jet boarder, yep. Yeah, so I, I mean, as with any, uh, you know, blossoming sport, there are multiple brands who are making these products, and I tested one by a company called UJet, I think, and yeah basically you get on you hold a little thing in your hand like a little remote control and it has a go button and i think mine got up to like 25 miles an hour or something which is 
probably around the speed of like a, a good wave, which this guy was basically riding at Shark Island. So yeah, if I'm sure everybody's seen the video, basically the guy comes in, it's like a, it's like a surf line cam or something. The guy like comes in from out of frame, swoops around this, like, you know, it's maybe like a four or five foot wave. And he just, you just see the weight coming off the thing. You're like, what's going on? And then you realize he's on some sort of motorized board and he swings past all these bodyboarders and just like rides this wave cruises doesn't really do it in turn or try to get barreled or anything but it's like oh okay that was like kind of funny and then you see him go like almost out of frame like he goes like to the left side of the screen and then he starts like going back out he's like oh cool i guess he's gonna go you know get one more like you know maybe wait and see what happens and and then he just he keeps going he goes out the back and then he swings around <laughs> on the, the very next wave that comes so it's like he gets one wave and i think there's one wave in between and then he's on the one directly after that so he literally takes two waves in a set which is the funniest thing I've ever seen. I oh, think somebody uh, commented on our, I don't know if it was Instagram or site, but they called him uh, Every Wave Dave, which I thought was pretty good. <laughs> it is pretty good. It just, it's one of those things that really, it's just so appalling that you can't help but respect it. Like you just have to, it's just operating on a different wavelength and you have to just tip your cap and say, you know what? Good for you. There's no other take there. Well, you but- can't. Because you, ha- what else you have you to do? be doing that with a certain level of, like, irony, right? Like, you can't be doing that seriously. Like, the whole thing. Like, this is, like, a legit wave. It's, like, a slab in Australia that only breaks every so often. So that's, like, one level of it. And then it's, like, you're on a jet board, and then you're going to take two waves in a set. Like, it, the whole thing is farcical. So clearly this guy, like, <laughs> is just making a mockery of everything related every, to surfing. Life, that's why I love it. Life. And he's throwing shakas. He's throwing shakas the whole time. <laughs> that's the best thing I've ever heard. Anybody that's not fucking dying laughing watching that out in the lineup is, yeah, they're just not a good sport. They're not here for it. Yeah, and I, it does, it complicates things so much when, like, you want to be mad at somebody they do just that like simple gesture like throwing a shaka that like it throws you off you're like oh wait is this person being nice actually and i'm the dick for thinking they're being a dick yeah. and i think he probably got in everybody's heads like that and really it's just a beautiful thing i'm a little bit terrified if that's part of the future of surfing if these things really start to pop off we see more of this then maybe a problem but for now tip your cap to the guy and um i think zucks next in a previous podcast, I said that I would respect Zuck and his foil board, whatever he does, if he goes and does it at like uh, Cape Slander, ours. This wave was very close to there. Uh, it's not quite as heavy, but it's still a slab. And um, how do you know this you know, wasn't him? We're not sure. I don't know. I maybe because he his face wasn't you know just ghostly white with sunscreen. <laughs> I feel like it was Zuck. You'd see it like glowing even on the little webcast footage, but. Um, it could have been. I don't know. Let's not rule that out, I guess. Yeah, maybe this was him training for hours. Yeah. Bit of a roll yeah. in it, Shark Island, you know, not not quite as treacherous. You can kind of ride out in front of it. And, and having ridden one of these jet boards, I can say they are not highly maneuverable. So if you're trying to get into a proper barrel, first of all, you're going to need a wave that has some girth. So ours is probably as good as it gets. And you're going to have to take a pretty aggressive line. You know, I actually want to, I'm going to, Add to this now, Eric Logan with his thing about our sport. I mean, the wave is called ours. So why doesn't he give it a crack too? Yeah, I think that that would earn him a lot it's, of respect it, from the surfers. Our sport, so give it a go, buddy. 
Yeah, they got a little break between Vels and Margaret's. He could shoot over to the East Coast real quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, apparently Margaret's is going to happen anyway. Nobody's showing up, so. <laughs> oh, there's also the box. Yeah, yeah. So go ahead. Go ahead with our sport. <laughs> No, you won't be getting a deal on your next board. Mikey, this title clearly is not written for you. Um, you <laughs> are going to get a deal on your next board, and you're going to demo it, and you're going to tell people how it goes, and maybe they'll buy it, and the company will benefit too. But this is a story on Stab Premium that breaks down why surfboards cost what they cost, and this was your idea. You brought it to me a while ago. It took a little while to come to fruition, but... You, months ago, I think, said, hey, we should do a story about how complex it is to make surfboards and why they even end up at that number. And so here we are. Did you give it a read? I did, yes. Um, And this was all pointing to the end of me trying to basically overcome my guilt of what Mm. my role is in the surf world and how many free surfboards I get. So this was my my little payback to the shapers. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> Call it even. <laughs> um, no, I think I think that Brian Dickerson, the the author, I think he did a really really good job. He talked to um, different shapers. He talked to Matt Biolis in particular, who gave some really good insights. And he looked at a lot of different studies, and he yeah basically came to show mathematically um, what we all kind of knew instinctually, which is that surfboards do not have a very big margin whatsoever, and that is d- doesn't even really go to explain the amount of like care and love that goes into them. Like Brian actually had a, a really like impactful quote in there. I thought he said the other issue is that everyone knows, at least peripherally, that surfboards are not priced at a markup that's proportionate to the work put into their creation. And yeah, there's just there's a lot of people involved. There's a lot of hands that touch a surfboard before it comes out, and each one of those people, I like to imagine at least. I don't know every single person that has a hand in building every single surfboard but i'd imagine that most of them are surfers most of them really do care about how the finished product ends up because nobody wants to build a surfboard that somebody else that receives it doesn't love and i think it's just different than like you know making a t-shirt you know you print a thousand of the same t-shirt nobody really gives a fuck you know the person that does the stitching or whatever like they're just probably like in and out next one you know they don't care who wears it if anybody buys it or whatever but I would like to believe that somebody building a surfboard really does care about how it comes out, and you can't put a price on that, but clearly we're not reaching that level paying whatever we're paying for surfboards right now. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And the piece really, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's new information for a lot of people to know that surfboards are not priced. Nobody's making crazy money in surfboard shaping and that it's really hard and that the to get a board to you for a decent price is pretty damn hard and it's it's super competitive it's hard basically i think that's new information for a lot of people but if you've ever wondered why that is and all the forces that are at play there i really recommend you read this i learned a few things and yeah i don't think i'll ever ask for a deal on a board again it's just kind of hard to at the end of it you're like oh shit you kind of feel like a kind of feel like a dick Okay, so you, yeah, you don't ever ask for a deal again, and then well, I, I do feel, actually. Okay, it's I like do, how but from you, people you, on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, <laughs> I just work them down. I don't do it to the shaper. They're another one made. I go, okay, what's this thing's deal? One fifty? How about one twenty-five? Let's talk. 
<laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I, it was actually funny because I was thinking um, uh, Danny is basically your carbon offset with how much you travel and now Danny's mm. just stuck in place forever. So you just can, you just write him off as your carbon offset and you're good. He's and my I, can, whole plan. I can write you off as my surfboard offset for yeah. not trying to take any deals. A little yin, a little yang. Balances out. <laughs> the drop is just solving the world's issues one surfboard at a time. Let us know what's next. Must watch Surfing's First 360 Flip Almost. That's not how it's written on the site, but that's how you say it more smoothly out loud. This is crazy. This is this is one of those wave pool clips that makes you stop and think for a while. You know, there's like surf clips that you just watch eight times and you kind of get it and you just want to see it again and again. And then there's ones where you just, you have to like pause after, even like put the phone down, just think and then come back to it. And it takes you a few like bouts really to make sense out of what's happening. Um, yeah, he didn't land it, but Brad Flora almost stuck serving his first 360 flip. We're there, I guess. 2022, that's just where we're at. Yeah, and it's so like funny to me that I don't know why, but just the juxtaposition between this happening in the same week as like all this WSL drama, like mm. like Brad Flora, if you know him or don't know him, is like the most like anti comp person. Like he's just like full free surfer to his core. Like answer D all the above guy <laughs> hits every section like full force. Like just does not give a fuck. Will break his body and then goes home and. He makes his own surfboards, so I guess it doesn't really matter to him, at least, if he breaks his boards. And then, you know, I, I don't know what he does for work right now, but I know he was doing, like, uh, plumbing and, and just all these little odd jobs and then just going on trips with his friend. And, for instance, like, this trip that he did to Waco, he said he went there and he tried this on every single section. Like, it costs a decent chunk of change to go to Waco and, like, rent the pool out for a private session. And to waste every single section trying the same move and never even like stomping one thing just to be like, okay, yeah, I like, at least I like landed something. <laughs> he just went there with the mindset of, fuck it, I'm just going to go there and try tray flips on a surfboard. I love it. Wow. That's, that's really incredible. I mean, I kind of get it. Like it's, it's fun to really try to figure something out, right? Like I get why that, how that could like occupy you. I mean, what else? Obviously it'd be fun as hell to also just go and surf but i get that obsession it's interesting when you kind of phrase in the way of him going out of pocket to do it but i like it and you know i'll i'll welcome 360 flips and surfing i'm in i'm down i don't think i'm gonna try them but uh i'm in do you think uh the wsl surfers would start a petition against it if people started doing those in competition well you know what's funny we Ran Mateus Hurdy's stab edit of the year entry last Thursday, and in the accompanying accompanying interview, he talks about how he's not sure if the WSL judges really know how to score errors, at least not technical errors. Like they could see, okay, that was really high, that section was big, but like he references how people used to do varials back in the day, and that kind of just went away. And to him, that was progressive, and then they just weren't getting scored, so people just stopped doing them comps. That's what most people see, so people just kind of stop doing them in general. But to him, he was like, that was a cool thing. Why didn't we start figuring out how to do it on bigger and better sections? Why just go away? And the answer was because, like, remember Julian did that one at Lowers and got, like, a four? It was, like, pretty gnarly. No, no, no. He did it, and he actually oh, was... got a decent score, and Parco went off. He was like, oh, a little crabby 
that's when it was. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's when it was. So yeah. Parko wrote it off and Varials died that day. <laughs> Varial, yeah, Parko killed him. Look at that. Rest in peace. Wow. Well, Parko killed him is your answer, Mateus. Anyway, <laughs> Brad Flora and you, you guys can bring some tech shit back and I'd welcome it. I mean What are you scoring someone they go out at Bells and you know, they, they maybe they you know, it's a smaller wave or whatever. Say they're at Winky actually. And it's just kind of a closeout. It's one section. And they go and they do a 360 flip. What are you throwing at that? Me, I'd go nine. I don't know why I'm not going 10. But just like <laughs> yeah, something like, like the... real weird, like 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 that makes no sense, like 917. And just be like, why why didn't you give him the extra <laughs> 0.83 points there? And be like, and he just didn't deserve them. <laughs> like it is crazy to think that like somebody can get a 10 for yeah, i mean granted it would have to be gigantic but you know you can get a 10 for an air reverse but how do you not give a 10 to the most technically difficult air that has ever really been attempted like a, a 360 flip has to be inarguably the hardest air that anybody's ever gotten reasonably close to landing right from a technical standpoint yeah well i guess it just it you get to that point where like okay what if our boy Zoltan got out there, got through the Q, got through the C, got to the big C, <laughs> and just starts doing kit flips? And it's like, you see it on some level with the, the current CT servers where, like, if, say, Kelly landed an air at this age or that, that Italo could have done, Kelly's going to get a higher score because they're so used to seeing Italo do it. Right? Yeah. I guess it's that that to me is the weirdest thing about it is like how do you it makes it so clear in Zoltan's case it's just like a guy who just figured out how to do kickflips you can't just give him tens every wave because that's not cool yeah <laughs> but how do you kind of rid that how do you how do you find the line between that and not giving Kelly a way bigger score for the same error Italo could have done like it's it's a complex one but to me that's like a spectrum that you have to find the sweet spot in. WSL probably has it, really, the sweet spot, but I don't know what happened if a 360 flip. I, You know, 917, I think. I think it's just that awkward number. It's, <laughs> it's, it really should be binary, like just a really low score or a 10, but they'd have to hit a 917 <laughs> just make it really confusing. All right. Well, Brad, you heard it here first. Uh, get that thing down. Bring it to the Q. Bring it to the little C. Big C. You're ready to roll. I like that. Can we can we do that? Can we do little C, big C? I like that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's us for now. Okay, All right. cool. We're we are it. officially the uh, the little C podcast. We are the little C podcast. You heard it here, folks. Snapper's coming up, folks. It's coming. Get ready. Yeah, little you think C. this part of the year is good? Uh-uh. Ooh, the real yeah. season starts in a month. Mm, mm. Let's see if we get some petitions going. I'm sure we get people revved up about something. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have that piece from... Uh, jake embry about the the qs and whether that system's broken you can also find that on stab premium we were going to talk about that that this week but too much happened on the uh, on the big c so we had to let that one simmer <laughs> can't go you can't you can't put the q over the big c but you can put the little c over the big c uh you definitely just called ethan jake embry but it was <laughs> oh no <laughs> Oh shit! Wow, Freudian slip. Sorry, I don't know who I should apologize to, Jake or Ethan. <laughs> I, I love that. I was trying to figure out. I was like, "What, Jake? Right, good, good." Anyway, we'll petition for that. Yeah, former former 
brain studying person of stab and current brain studying person of stab one of them wrote it i'm not sure one of them yeah one of the brain guys did all right folks we have a unique surf sin here every sin is unique this one is unique for many reasons the primary one in my opinion is because he sent it in the form of a video Um, we heard from aiden we were lucky enough to hear from aiden this week and most people do like the voice note app on your phone whatever um he just took a video of darkness while speaking which i really liked i was in from the (laughs) get-go because of that that's a first for a surf sin and um (laughs) you can really tell what state he was in when he sent it yeah and and we're breaking we're making history here with this a historic first here on the drop so let's have a play what's up guys this is aiden located out in florida got a surf sin i think that probably everyone does but nobody likes to admit it and i think it only hurts us more than it hurts any other surfer but i'm stuck in this cycle where i'll sell something or somebody owe me some money and when they give me the cash or they send me over some money i'll take the cash and i'll put it aside in a bag in a drawer labeled surfboard money so all the money i'm supposed to be getting putting back into my bank account making it easier for me to live so i can actually you know afford things i take that and i put it away for some more surfboards and what do i end up doing i end up going out and once i have enough money i buy a new board or some fins or bag or something i totally don't need but i want and when people ask me hey can you go do this or can you go do that you want to go out this week i say no i don't have any money but that's not true i just put it in a bag so I can go out and buy more surfboards. Feel bad about it, not for anybody else, but just for myself. I'm hurting myself, I don't have any money now because it's all going to surfboards. So yeah, I'm gonna need a penance. Thanks boys. Mikey, your gut was that you were hard to identify the, having a hard time to identify the sin. Yeah, I I mean, as far as I'm concerned, especially with what everything we just talked about with, with surfboard uh, builders and whatnot, and, and the fact that he's talking about cash, I'm just going to assume that when people pay cash for a surfboard, that one doesn't go in the book. So they're getting that tax-free, mm. the, uh, the surfboard builders. So I, this seems like a win for everybody, except maybe if he has like a dog or yeah, some dog other dependent eat. of some sort mm-hmm. yeah like i i just i don't really see it like you got if you got good boards what else do you need yeah right it's like why go out to dinner when you could just buy a nice surfboard it's like if it's as long as you can eat and survive it's uh retirement it's going to be fine they'll figure it out the smart people <laughs> that are going to come after us they'll handle all that we just spend the money right um I had to think long and hard about it too. And I have a kind of different take on it. And it's that I think his sin is being a drug dealer. Um, he's talking about the uh, cash and bags. And his sin to me was just, it sounds like he's dealing drugs. So that's uh, that's the sin that I've identified. As but it's like, it- you know, there's... It's like stealing is bad, but stealing a loaf of bread to feed your family isn't bad. So, you know, dealing drugs is bad, but if you're using the profits to buy surfboards... To buy surfboards, which, like we said, that's an industry that's people, you know, somebody's got to pay the sanders, the glassers, the the 
all these people out there. So I get what you're saying. And yeah, honestly, with, when it comes to a penance or kind of a punishment for dealing drugs, I kind of let the judicial system handle that. And so <laughs> what I'm going to do with my penance it's a is, dangerous. It's a dangerous way to yeah, go about that. Yeah, it's a dangerous that. game. It's, it, I just, it's more just like a wash my hands of this and just walk away. Just kind of assume no guilt. But um, Elo style. Elo style, baby. <laughs> so my penance is not going to focus on the sin. It's going to focus on... You know how some people, they just, they're in a phase of life where they're just kind of hooking up with a bunch of people. And that can be fun for a while. It is fun for a while, but they're not really looking for the one. They're not looking for love. The vibe I kind of got from Aiden was that that's where he was at. He just wanted a bunch of boards. He wanted to try this, try mm. this, try that. And so I think he needs to start thinking about settle down. I'm not saying he has to just fall in love immediately with the board, but I think he should start thinking in those terms. And my penance is kind of heartwarming, folks. Just find the one. Find the magic board, fall in love. There's nothing like falling in love, whether it's with a surfboard or a human being. And I want Aiden to experience that. And, you know, maybe he'll find the one sell out. I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying force it, never force it. That's bad. Recipe for disaster. But kind of put yourself on that wavelength and uh, find the one and experience love, Aiden. Wow, that's beautiful. Especially coming from you who... I know you've had the same board. I, I know you have a rotating kind of quiver of boards that come in and out of your life, but there's one that you stayed true to for at least the past five years. Is that right? There's one. There's one that I love, a stupid little five O skateboard thing, which I just can't ever get off. And then the Pang that I bought for $100 in Hawaii that you were there for, and I wrote that $495 North Shore quiver piece, I cannot get off that thing. It is so fun. It wow. is. You know why? Because you, it's it's probably because you surfed it with like a blatantly open ding while you're in Hawaii. Oh, and that's still I'm there. Just gonna, I'm just gonna assume that you never fixed it and never. Maybe you no. sealed it, but uh, yeah, so no, you're still. It's, it's still got some some mana in there, some some real Hawaiian waters, and, and some yeah, just some love in there from Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. That's that's. I think that's what's happening. That checks out science wise. <laughs> um so interesting okay so say he finds this board but it's team light glassing what then he's only got it's gonna be i mean six months at most right you make sacrifices when you find love and you adapt and so i'm not gonna there's no rules for this type of thing you know there's no rules you have to just figure out sometimes you have a love that doesn't make sense to other people and i'm gonna let him the board figure it out and just as long as they commit to the love, it'll, it'll be fine. So it'd be tough. It'd be a challenge. You know, long distance can be a challenge. Various challenges can happen. So I think I trust Aiden. I think he'll figure it out. And then what happens when he does find that board? Does that mean he's not allowed to buy other boards? And in which case, what should he spend his now pocket money on? Ooh, now that's a good question. Fins. <laughs> Yeah, just that just becomes the thing guy. He, he mentioned it, not me. He started it. Yeah, it's like anyway, uh, what, yeah, it's like he found the he found his wife, and then he just you know he buys her a set of earrings now and then, maybe a nice necklace, you know, yeah. just to adorn her, make her yeah. feel loved, 
spice it up a little bit. Maybe maybe buy some things for the bedroom. You never know. You never know. What do you got on this one? I like I said, I I can't even give him I don't think I can give him a penance. I don't I don't see the sin here. I I do feel badly that he feels badly. Um, you can hear it in his voice. You can hear it in his words that, you know, he clearly feels guilt around this. And, and we've had a couple surfaces like this where, you know, I don't really feel like the person is in the wrong, so to speak. Yeah. But um, I guess, yeah, if, uh, if he wants to, you know, sort of chastise himself and what's it called when you when you when you slap yourself with the whips? Danny would know this word. He would. He's probably doing it right now. That's why he's not on this week. <laughs> um, okay. Well, if you want to do whatever that fancy you whip yourself in word the is. Nude. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, let's say this. Uh, flagellate? Next. Is it flagellate? Flagellate. Yes. Yeah. Flagellate. Yes. Great word. Great word. If you want to flagellate yourself, the next time you get up to a surfboard sort of level of drawer money, whether that's 500 or 700, I don't know where you live. I don't know if you're buying these boards new or used or from Craigslist or whatever, but whatever your sort of threshold is of like, you know, I, I should be buying a surfboard with this now. This is enough money. Once you get that money, you give me a call and mm. I'm going to tell you who to bet on for the next oh, CT event. Yeah. And, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna double your money. Therefore, you can still buy that surfboard guilt free and have extra money left over to you know buy your dog some food or whatever it is. Wow, that's nice. See, that's we're doing all sorts of heartwarming stuff here. Yep, that's right. So it's not even really a penance, so to speak. I'm just helping you get more money, which I, I don't know if that is a good thing, but it's definitely gonna happen. The lesson here, folks, is that healing can be fun. All right. Thank you so much for submitting your surf sins. As always, you can send them to Danny at stabmag.com, Buck at stabmag.com, or Michael at stabmag.com. And I hope in the future they're a little bit more nefarious. Like, I feel like they're getting a little bit tame. You guys are really just scraping the bottom of the barrel. And I know that you guys have been up to no good. So please give us the real dirt. Tell us about a time that, you know, you pulled somebody's leash and then punched him in the face or, or just something. Give me some juice. Give me some something to work with here because it's hard for me to give penances to things that I don't think are sins. Um, and yeah, we'll be back later this week with an episode of The Stab Cusp to discuss everything that went down at Bell's in the competition side. And again, be back next week with the drop for all the latest surf news. Hope you've enjoyed this week and see you next time.